It's not our words that we're singing. These are God-inspired words that Jesus is inspiring in us to sing to our Father. And he is singing them to his Father. Because when we're worshiping, Jesus is worshiping God too. Because he is Father. And so we look at that and it's Jesus is one of those people that when you get the Holy Spirit, the God the Father, and um, the Son together, Jesus is the one working for us. He's the one that started everything for us to be able to follow him. Because what does Jesus say? He goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we worship God, this is Jesus doing the same thing. He, we imitate Jesus. Jesus said, you see what you see me do, you will do greater. So God is worshiping, or Jesus is worshiping his father the same way that we're worshiping his father. So I was... Uh, talking to God earlier this week, and I said, God, what, what do you, where are you leading me? And he gave me this phrase. He says, God's comfort leads you to be empowered. It doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it, but God's comfort leads you to be empowered. And I really started to, to dive into that, and I'm like, God, what are you talking about with that? What, what does that mean when you say that your comfort leads us to be empowered? You know, most of the time when we think about comfort, it makes us feel better. But when God comforts us, when we comfort people, we want them to feel better, right? We, we I love you. It's going to get better. But God, he, he comes alongside of us. And when he comforts us, he doesn't just comfort us and then lead us to feel better. God leads us into power. He leads us to the next level. He helps us to level up into the next area in our life. And so I was reading Psalm 119, verse 82. It says, David's saying, my eyes long for your promise. And he goes, when will you comfort me? So we, if you guys have ever read the Psalms, it's a roller coaster of emotion of David. God loves me. He's abandoned me. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Why have you left me in this pit? Let, you've left me to my enemies. God has empowered me to defeat my enemies. So David is like the rest of us. He's human. He's super emotional. Um, and he's a roller coaster of emotion and how he's going through life. So it, it dawned on me that God is there to comfort us. When we go through hard times, when we go through troubles, when we go through seasons of, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, you've been there. We don't know. There's a season of, you don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to end up good? Is it going to end up bad? But God is always there. And I think sometimes we have to let God comfort us. I think so many times we go into that mindset, I'm not worthy to be comforted. I'm not, I shouldn't be able to receive this because I'm not good enough to be comforted. And God is not, uh, God's not picky in who he chooses. He, he, he doesn't say, well, you know, you, you sin too much. You don't get comforted. You haven't sinned enough to, for me to love you enough to, you know, he, God says, you know what? I comfort all. It's what did Jesus say? I said, I'm going to send someone better than me. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? Called? He called the comforter. But what is the Holy Spirit also charged to do? He's charged to empower us. So think about this. God doesn't just comfort us. He empowers us. So the same person that comforts us empowers us to do the work of the ministry and to follow God. Am I right? I'm right. Um, 
nobody said anything, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with that. So no, it's true. Um, you guys are just really quiet today. So uh, we're going to start putting Mountain Dew in the coffee just to get you guys a little more going. Sometimes we think we're not worthy to be comforted by God. We're not worthy to, to have God take care of us. You know, we, we get in that mindset when we do something or when we're in, a, in an area, our mind goes to, is God going to accept me for this? Or is God going to love me? It's funny how we know God loves us, but when something happens or when we get into sin or when we get into um, hard times, we're like, is God going to take care of me? And the answer is yes. God is going to take care of us. It may not end up how we want it to end up. It may not be the, the exact time when we want it, but God will take care of us. And so David, in, in one of the, the most common um, verses and uh, scriptures you guys have ever read, Psalms 23. When we read this, you know, I was talking to God and it was funny because I, I, was, I was listening to Sarah speak last week and I was talking to God and then Monday I said, well, what, and he kind of put that phrase into my head. I said, God, what are you talking about in this time? And I want you guys to hear this. And it says this, Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I was reading this in... And this is, this is David on a good day. This is when people weren't trying to kill him or his son wasn't after him or, you know, somebody wasn't, you know, trying to end his life or his family's life. And so David is on a high note here. He's like, God is with me. He's going to lead me through everything. When it's hard, when it's easy, God is with me. But what stuck out to me is this, is... Um, Verse four, it says, and it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And to me, that didn't make sense. When you, when we talk about the, uh, a rod in the Bible, it's always the rod of correction and the rod of discipline. And, and I was like, that usually hurts. I'm just saying, and he got a good old butt whooping when you were a kid for mouthing off to somebody or, you know, you know, it was the belt of correction or something like that when you were a kid, right? Okay. So that to me, I was like, God, what are you saying in this when you say that your rod and your staff, they comfort me? And so when he comforts us, he, he empowers us. When he leads us to into that, that, that area of where he comes alongside us and says, you know what, I know what's going on. Anything we've dealt with, Jesus has dealt with. Any kind of loss, that Jesus, that we've gone through, God has already take has already dealt with that. He knows what it is to go through tough times. And so I did. I was just digging. I was looking through some random books that I have, and and um, I started to just do a search. And, and I was doing some different word searches and things like that. And it kind of came upon this and i was just like this is kind of breaks it down into little pieces but super easy for us to understand so 
David had an assurance at the end of this chapter. It says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, David had this assurance, but he was referring back to some things that, that always don't um, resonate with us. And I started to, to do some research, and it says this, the staff. The staff gives rest. The shepherd would use a staff. The staff, the shepherd, was there for him to lean on, was there for him to um, use as uh, something to, to sit on. They would put it between two stones, and they would sit on it when they needed to rest when they were out in the out in the field because shepherds don't want to stand all day long you know they need they need a break you know they take their 15 minute coffee break or whatever they had back then um and they would just rest on it they would lean against it to take some weight off their their feet or whatever they needed to do and it just it it really stuck out as that in psalms 23 and i'm reading from one of the things i was studying it says we know immediately we're talking about a shepherd's tool when we talk about a staff. A shepherd might use the staff for something to lean on in case the ground wasn't dry for sitting on, of course. And during long shifts of tending the sheep, he would just use it as a, something to prop himself up with. But that staff was, was a main tool of what the shepherd was supposed to be using. That was his main thing. He would walk out and he, the staff would also be something that he would get sheep back in line with. A lot of times they had a, had a hook on the end and he would just kind of pull them back into place. So that, that staff was a place of rest for him, but it was also a place of alignment for the sheep. Getting back into the fold. You know, it talks about leaving the 99 to find the one. There was always that one. And like I talked about before, sheep are dumb. And so God would just kind of move us back into place. And... But the staff is is our rescue from di difficult situations. It was, I, I was watching something one time, and it showed how a shepherd would use that staff when he lost sheep or when there was issues. Because how many of you guys know there, we live in a non-mountainous region, and it's mostly fields and woods. But in a lot of areas, there are mountains, and these sheep are going in the mountains to feed. And so they would use this, this hook on the end of it if a sheep got stuck between rocks to lift and pull that sheep out of or pull it out of something so they could rescue that sheep out of a crevice or out of a, a, a tight place. And because, you know, sheep, like I said, they don't pay attention to what they're doing. They're just looking for that next little bite of grass and they wander into places and get hurt. And so he would pull a sheep out of the thorns, out of uh, a tight place, out of between uh, a crevice in the rocks, whatever it was, but it was used to rescue. And it makes more sense when you start to think about your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because that staff pulls us out of situations and it pulls us out of dark places and it pulls us out of mindsets and thought patterns that we have in our life. He rescues us and he pulls us out. It says that he pulled us out of the mire. He reached down. What, what happened? Peter's like, I can walk on water. I'm going to come to you. And what happens is this. He sees what happens. He sees the winds and the waves. And he says, oh my gosh, now what did I just get myself into? And he starts to sink. And what does Jesus do? He reaches down and grabs Peter. I don't know. So if you're on the water and you have to reach down and grab, that means you're pretty far down there for Jesus to reach down. So he reaches down there and the hook of his staff pulls Peter up and he says, I'm going to rescue you. So when Jesus reaches out with his staff, when God reaches out with his staff as the good shepherd, he hooks us and he 
pulls us in and he pulls us back to a safe spot. So that, that, that's, that hook that everybody thinks, oh, that's so dangerous and it's so mean to, to do that, that actually is, is a firm grasp on us saying, I'm going to pull you out. It may not be comfortable at that moment. It may not be something you like, but I'm going to pull you out of disaster. I'm going to pull you out of your own problems. I'm going to pull you out of the things that are going on in life. But the great thing is that staff also guides us. So when he rescues us, he, lead, he guides us to where we need to go. It's not just, well, you know, I pulled you out. Good luck. We'll see you. See what happens. Can you imagine if God did that? He's like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, you're born again, and good luck on your own after that. No, he doesn't. He guides us. He sends us the Holy Spirit to guide us and to comfort us and to lead us. So when you think of God guiding you, what do we think? Do we think God just like, you know, like up, up on, uh, up, up in heaven going up? Nope, that way, like a pinball game. No, it's, it's not that way. He gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be able to hear the Holy Spirit in our lives, to, to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, so that way we can understand where we need to go in life. Do I move here? Do I, do I start a family now? Do I take this job? Do I, whatever it is in life. Do I make this decision? Could this decision be disastrous for my family? Or is this decision going to be great for my family? It's, it's all about the Holy Spirit guiding us the, on the path that God has for us. He has a path for us. We just have to learn how to hear what path to follow. So when he guides us, it's not a... You, ever, you guys ever remember the bumper pool? Yeah, it, it's like pool, but a lot harder and, and not as fun and um, not worth playing. We had a bumper pool table when we were kids, and we're like, we had pool table too, but um, just to let you know, we made pool tables. My dad used to get these doors. They're like four-foot-wide doors, and he would take a hole saw, and he would cut six holes in it, and he would take, and he would put little bumpers on the, the sides, and it was... You know, he put an old piece of felt and then just put the wood on top of it. And we had little pool tables in the basement and we'd play them. And then one day he brought home a real table. We're like, yes. He's like, I got a pool table. And we got there. I'm like, why is there stuff in the middle of it? And there was the, the bumper pool. I'm like, it was fun for a while, but it was like, this is too hard. And we were just too lazy to even practice and try to get good at it um, when you're, you know, 10, 11 years old. But we, I think, sometimes think of life as a bumper pool table and God is over there. Nope, 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 nope. You got to make it exactly perfect for it to, to get in the hole when it comes to bumper pool. It, it doesn't work that way. It's not like that with God. Not God's like, nope, 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 nope. God is just guiding us. And there's nice, safe bumpers in the will of God that gradually push us back into place. That rod, or excuse me, that staff gradually pushes us back into place to, to the will of God to, for our lives. And I think sometimes we think God's over there with the, the rod going, get back in line, get back in line. No, he's not. He's gradually doing that. In our imagination, even as believers, even as Christians, sometimes we think of God as angry. And it, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a tool of the enemy, and it's in our minds that allow us to think that God is angry at us all the time if we didn't do something right. You know, uh, God's not... Um, 
angry with us. I think it's sometimes he looks down and goes, I'm just kind of disappointed right now. And I would rather have God angry at me than say he's disappointed. If that sounds right. You know what I mean? I would almost rather have him say that he's angry at me than say he's disappointed because disappointment holds a lot of weight. It's, when you, you tell your kids you're disappointed, they'd be like, just yell at me. I'd rather you just yell at me than be disappointed. Because when God says, I'm just kind of disappointed right now, you weren't paying attention, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And we think of him, we in our minds, we think that he's going to be angry and he's going to use that rod. That rod is a rod of correction, but it's not a rod of anger. God never disciplines out of anger. He, he disciplines out of love. And he disciplines out of compassion for us. So, but the great thing is that the rod is not the rod of correction first. It's a, it's a rod of protection, first of all. Okay, so the shepherd's got his staff. That staff is great, and it's a useful tool for directing the sheep and rescuing the sheep and getting the sheep out of stupid circumstances that we've got ourselves into. But the rod is not for rescue. The rod is for defense. He would use a rod to keep the wolves at bay. He would use the rod to keep animals from taking the sheep. It was, a, it was a rod of protection before anything else. So that rod was used to defend us and to fight for us. When God says, hey, I'm going to fight for you, he means I'm going to fight for you. Whether it's as a warrior or as a shepherd, he's going to fight for us. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the wolves at bay. I'm going to keep them away from my flock. You know that when shepherds would... Um, basically get their sheep into a, a, a fenced area, the shepherd would lean against the door. Because a lot of times they wouldn't have, or lean against the, the post. So in that area, they would have a gate, and the shepherd would sleep in the, in the post of the gate. He wouldn't shut a door. They didn't have doors. Because if you have a door, how do you get them in there? Because most of the time, shepherds would, would, have, would be out by themselves. So there's a door on most fences these days, right? If you have a fence, you have a gate to let the, let the sheep in and you shut that gate because you're not going to be standing out there with them all night. I watch my neighbor pull the fence down, wait for the cows to go through, put the gate back. Shepherds couldn't do that because they were usually there ones or twos and you, you don't have like four sheep. You have, you know, 50, 100, 200. And so that area that they would bring them to when they would bring them into that, that gate, that gate had no door. So they would get them in there, and if they didn't have something in front of that door, sheep would just wander out. So what the shepherd would do, he would position himself in between the post and the other post, or the, the rock and the other rock, in order to what? First of all, to protect the sheep and keep them from wandering out. God protects us by keeping us in the safe spots. He says, I'm going to protect you. He would, the, the shepherd would sit in between there and say, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep anything bad out, but I'm also going to keep you in, in a loving way to protect you from wandering away. Can you imagine what would have happened if he had not slept in that spot? What that, that fenced-in area would have looked like in the morning. There would have been nothing there. There might have been some dead sheep there because of the wolves coming in, but there probably would have not, never been anything there because they would have wandered out. 
they will wander out into the road, into wherever that they are not allowed to go. But that rod is a symbol of love, too. It's a symbol of correction. You know, I think in our culture, we think of correction as a bad thing, and it's not. It's not a a bad thing. And, you know, if you've ever had a a good old-fashioned come-to-Jesus meeting with with one of your parents when you were a kid, um, and the rod of correction came out, you understood the fear of God, right? You understood that you were going to get a good old-fashioned butt whoop. And um, you knew that it was not a good thing. And you would, you know, put on that extra pair of pants or whatever you needed to to keep that from feeling a lot less stingy. Um, I tried that every once in a while. It was That just made it worse after that. Um, but... That rod of, but that that correction was not meant out of anger. It was meant to teach that hey, you can't do this because it is dangerous for you. I think sometimes we think of of, of that kind of correction as something. Anytime you you do something wrong, you get you get a a good smack. And I remember I was listening to some, uh, a gentleman speak one time. He goes, "My dad used to give me a spanking in the morning before I went to school." He goes, "This is for anything you do in the morning, the rest of the day, just to make." I'm like, "Wow!" I'm like, "I had a really good dad," you know, like. But if you think about it, we think of, of a spanking or a correction like that as something that's bad, and it's not. It's meant to teach us that what we were in or what we were doing was either dangerous or we kept doing it until we did, and that ha- had to help us realize that what we were doing was wrong. But I think if... if At a certain point in our lives, we need that rod of correction because what happens is we're so far gone and we don't realize where we've been that God has to use that to bring us back to realization of of his love for us and that he wants us to be part of that flock. He wants us to be part of his fold. And so I started to, to think about it and I'm like, God, you comfort us, but you also empower us. Because correction will bring empowerment. It will teach us what we need to understand so that when we're, we're walking in life, we can say, I remember when God corrected me in that moment or he corrected me in that season where I was whatever and God brought me back into the proper alignment of his will. So sometimes when we think of that rod, we've got it. We've got to get that mental picture out of our rod. Is that is a, a, a cruel part of discipline, and it's actually not. God uses that as a, a proper tool for correction for us. But it, first of all, it's there to protect us. Most of all, and I think correction is there to protect us. It's to to keep us off of that path that might lead us to that point of disaster, that point of. Um, of no return as it may sound like and sometimes when we get so far off and it's like god just needs that swift crack and it's like oh wow god you were right i didn't see that i needed that moment you guys ever been there god just corrects you and you're like oh yeah i was doing that completely wrong i was not in my right mind i was not following your will and i was and then sometimes you're like oh yeah i was completely in sin and i just totally blew that one yeah we've all been there 
But on a better note of not beating your children when they're wrong, um, I'm just kidding. No, we don't beat our children. Isaiah 12 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. And it says, You will say on that day, I will give thanks to the Lord, O Lord, for thou art angry with me. Your anger turned away that you might comfort me. So even though God was angry, yes, God gets angry, not just disappointed, but God does get angry. So even though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. How awesome is that? That he, God was like, I am so angry with them right now, but I am going to push my anger out and I'm going to come in and I'm going to comfort them. Because sometimes when we're angry at what our, our kids have done or what other people have done, sometimes it's not about being angry. It's about comforting them and saying, you know what? You are just really struggling with that right now. And what can I do to take care of you? What can I do to help you? You know, uh, and, and this verse relates to us. It's like, even though we are in sin, God sent his son to die for us, to be sin for us. So while he was angry at our sin, he sent comfort for us. He sent his son for us. How amazing is that? That even when we're being stupid and we're living in sin, that God says, you know what? I'm still going to give them the best gift that they can ever receive. When God comes alongside to comfort us, he doesn't just, oh, it's going to be okay. He teaches us in those moments. He teaches us what, it, what we did wrong, how we can get through it, and what he's going to, where he's going to lead us. If you want comfort from God, expect to be told what needs to change in your life. God is always going to comfort us when we call on him and say, God, I just need you right now. He's going to comfort us. And but during that comfort, he's going to say, but you could have done this. And this is how we're going to do it better this time. You know, I remember, you know, dealing with my kids when they were younger. And sometimes it was like, you know what? I know it's, it's really hard right now. I know it didn't work out how it needs to work out. But God is going to work this out. And when we're comforted and they're encouraging, he's encouraging us. He's not like, oh, it's going to be okay. and They're just all horrible and you did nothing wrong. And No. God is not that way. Most of the time when we're in a situation, we have some fault in that situation. Very rarely do we not. But God comes in and he comforts us, corrects us and teaches us, says, hey, by the way, it didn't work out that well. Let's try it a different way next time. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and not realizing you're doing, doing it wrong? Yeah, so God doesn't say, oh, hey, by the way, you did that wrong, but I'm not going to tell you you did it wrong and let you keep on doing that. No, God's going to teach us and say, hey, I, I know that what you're doing, you have good intentions, you wanted the best, but you didn't do it right, and I'm going to show you how to do it the right way. He empowers us to move past where we're at. He empowers us to say, you know what, you're going to do better because I, I believe in you. Can you imagine if, if, you know, one of the most important things for kids is to hear their parents say, I believe in you and that you can do this. Can you imagine if God walked into the room and said, I believe in you and you can do this, what it would change in us. But he says that to us every day. 
I think sometimes we just don't hear it because we're too busy trying, rolling around in our pig pen. And we're going, where, God, where are you? Being like David, oh, you've abandoned me. You've left me in this pit. And he's like, no, I haven't. He's like, I believe in you. I trust in you. I know that what you're doing may not work out right now, but I believe that you're going to do better. He empowers us to move past the bad season into a good season. He guides us through the tough times to bring us into the better times. But don't be offended. Don't be shocked when God disciplines you in a tough time because most of the times our tough times have been self-afflicted. Don't be, well, God, why'd you discipline me? No, he's like, I know you're in a tough time, but if you had followed my will, have you had followed my voice, you wouldn't be in that tough time. And I'm not saying that's every time, but God's always going to say, hey, there's something we can do better. He's always in that mindset of, how do I get my children to be more like me? Paul says that we have to follow him, and Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So that means as we grow, we should look more like Christ. So if God is is correcting us, he's going to show us and teach us how to be more like him. Not, well, oh, it's okay. You know, oh, it's okay. You, You just stay in that and we'll be okay. No, God is going to lead us out of that. He's going to take that hook of that, of that, staff and he's going to pull us out and now he's going to say hey did that work out for you no it didn't okay so let's try it my way now comfort will bring will bring moments of time where god can teach us things i remember as my when my kids were little they were dealing with a lot of, they didn't have friends because they're super weird and they're awkward and they're just, they're just not normal. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. They're, they're, they're kind of normal, except for that weird lazy eye. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Um, my kids are, are pretty normal, but they didn't, they dealt a lot with not having friends because they had standards in their life that they were not going to compromise. And they struggled through it. And I just remember, I said, you know what? By the time you get out of high school, none of them are going to be your friends anyway. And you're not going to see them anyway. And they str- but they struggled when they're in their early teens of not having a lot of friends because they weren't wor- willing to say, I'm going to live like that. They had a, a standard that we taught them at a young age and said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to live for God and I'm not going to compromise my beliefs, my purity, anything for that. But in those moments, we gave them little nuggets like, it's okay, by the time you graduate, you're not going to be friends with most of them anyway. You'll never see most of them the rest of your life anyway. So I said, your friends will stay around you if they are truly your friends. But just giving them that, it didn't make a lot of sense to them then when they're, you know, 13 years old, 12 years old, and they're upset about things. But telling them that, now they're like, "Mm, yeah, that's true. Because... God loves us enough to say, hey, it's not working out right now. It's tough right now, but I'm going to show you a better way. 
I think so many times we want God just to comfort us and say, oh, poor baby, it's going to be fine, and send us out on our way back to the, the same path that we were at. And God doesn't work that way. God comforts us, and he's saying, you know what? I know you're going through loss. I know you're going through whatever you're going through, whether it's depression or whatever it is. I'm going to comfort you, and I'm going to bring you out of this, and I'm going to drag you out of that pit. David's like, I'm in a pit. And then he's like, oh, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Oh, you've forsaken me. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. God, you've abandoned me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. You re- if you read Psalms for more than like three minutes, you're like, yep, that's my, my life at one point. But God is never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to abandon you. He's not like, oh, that one sheep. Oh, that's, that, that's that one that keeps running its head into the post. I'm just going to leave that one out there. No, he's not. Sometimes God thinks of us that way. He's like, man, they just keep running into that same post. Why do they keep doing that? But I, I love what Isaiah says. He goes, you turned your anger from me and you comforted me. Sometimes God is angry with us and upset of what we've done. But he's like, he's a loving father more than he is a judgmental God. People think of God as just this man upstairs that has this giant rod and he just wants to beat us over the head with it. But that's not who God is. God loves us. He's mad at, mad at what we do sometimes, but he still loves us more than his, than his anger. And he's willing to comfort us. I think sometimes when we're going through hard seasons, it's hard to see the other side of what's going on, right? We've been in that. You guys ever had those seasons where it's like, am I ever going to get out of this season? Like, I feel like this entire season is a hallway and there's a door down there and I can kind of see it, but am I ever going to get to that door? You guys have, those hallway seasons are tough sometimes because you're like, when am I going to end this? When is this going to stop? When am I going to finalize this part of my life? But Paul says in Ephesians 6, 10, says, be strong in the Lord. Think about this. When he comforts us, he empowers us. He teaches us how to go through what we're going through. When we're going through a season, he's going to comfort you and say, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to show you how to go through that season, that hallway season where you think it's never going to end and, and life is really bad and life is hard and tough. But he says, I'm going to empower you to go through that. I'm going to give you the strength to go through that. But I love what Paul says. He says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Stop doing it. Our, we have to stop doing it ourselves and allow God to fight for us. I think so many times the seasons that we're in, we're fighting to get out of that season. And God's like, no, that season would end if you would allow me to fight for you. But we do it ourselves. I think when you look at the Word of God, you know, I, I, uh, Layla asked me one day, she's like, I got to write something for somebody in their Bible. What should I put? I said, just put Ecclesiastes 1.1. One, one. And she's like, what does that say? I said, it, it just says everything is meaningless, everything is pointless. I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, that's not a good one. I'm like, I know, it's a joke. You don't put that in as a good encouragement scripture. I just need somebody to encourage me. Oh, go read Ecclesiastes 1.1. One, one. It'll be good for you. No, you don't do that. You have to understand is Ecclesiastes was a man going through a tough season. 
he was going through a tough season where he thought a lot of things were pointless and a lot of things was things were meaningless. And we've all been there. We've all had those times where it's like, what am I doing? What is going on? Why is nothing working out? Why is I feel like God is not talking to me? Why has he abandoned me? And God's like, no, I haven't abandoned you. Not everything is meaningless. Not everything is pointless. But God allows us to stay in that, those hallways if we choose to. He's like, you can transition from that season to that season if you allow me to lead you through that se- the season that you're in. But I think we want to work on that season for ourselves. God, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to keep doing this. And God's like, just let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me be the one to lead you through that season to bring comfort through that season. But we go through the season, and at the end of the season, you're like, God, where were you? Why didn't you comfort me? Why didn't you take care of me through that season? He's like, I was standing there waiting for you to allow me to help you. So we have to look at God and say, you know what? When we start, when the season starts, we got to quit immediately going, oh, I'm going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we'll fix it all. When, that's, when you know that you're, you've started a season that is not a good season in your life, you need to start to cry out to God and say, God, I need you to guide me. I need you to lead me through this. You know, I remember we had a, a couple seasons in our life that were about nine months. And it was like, okay, God, what is going to happen here? Both of our daughters like, God, what are you going to do? First, especially with our oldest, it was like, God, you, we know your promises. We know what you said in your word we know that you're not a liar but it was like god what are you going to do we just had to stand and say god you're going to take care of us you're going to you're going to be a promise keeper we're not going to let you fail god will never fail he's not a liar and i think there was those times where it's like we had to go through that hallway but we had to allow god to lead us through that because if we didn't allow God, we're just like, well, we're just going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. We wouldn't have kids. But God allowed us to. God allowed us to go through that season to strengthen our faith and to say, you know what? I know that God is going to take care of this. There were some moments where we were saying that, and I'm like, I don't even believe the word that's coming out of my mouth right now. But you just kept saying it. There's times where like we know that it's true, but sometimes. We don't know what's going to happen. And we, we just said, you know what, God, we know what your word says. We're trusting you to take care of us in this season. We're trusting you to take care of our daughter's lives in this season, and we're going to walk through this with you. When the, when the reports say that, you know, it's all bad, it's not going to be good, you know, I don't know how, how many times they tried to, get, you know, to convince us that, you know, we just need to terminate. And it was like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to listen to that. We're going to allow God to do what he says he's going to do. And we're going to trust God to do what he says he's going to do. So when you're going through those, t- those tough times, allow God to comfort you. But he says, take heart, for I've overcome the world. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Allow God to fight for you with his strength and not our strength because we're really not that good at it. God is an excellent warrior. He's an excellent comforter. And he's an excellent shepherd. And he will lead you through.
Let's pray.